0: Well, my throat is kind of ratched and I'm talking about dentistry and disruptors getting ready because influential people are never satisfied with their status quo. They're the ones who constantly ask what if and why not and they're not afraid to challenge conventional wisdom and they don't disrupt things for the sake of being disruptive. They do it to make things better. So there's a cycle of disruption Like a newcomer comes and builds a better mousetrap, and then everybody ignores the newcomer. But then brand recognition grows, and the industry bullies the newcomer, and the industry adapts and approves, and the consumers reap the benefits, and this is the cycle of disruption. And I am a troublemaker with the best intentions. In high school, you had to pass two separate English, English classes in order to graduate, and I can barely speak English some days. My marks in science, math, and phys ed, like, they were kind of average, maybe better. But my English marks dragged down my entire GPA, and here I am, a guy who writes in blogs, and writing and English is a big part of what I need to do very well for what I enjoy doing. Being a reckless kid and I was more focused at that time on making money than I was on school and I felt compelled like I seemed to in all of life to challenge my educators to the point where in high school I had a 40% average in English and I needed a 90% or better on my final exam in order to pass and graduate high school. So this is the problem with trying to change the system. My submitted homework in English always got excellent grades and yet the f was awarded in final mark you're like well what do you mean warren you got excellent grades but you got an f on it it's because i didn't follow the rules it was always f it was a a crossed out in a like an x and then an f on my papers constantly i was so proud of that there was no social media at the time i would have posted that on my instagram for sure I would write complete essays on why I shouldn't have to write an essay or I would write a a book report on a completely different book report. I would make up everything I wanted to do that made sense to me as a rebel in the school. In the classes, I would have these huge philosophical arguments with the teacher about why we were learning things from 10 years ago. And the teacher would respectfully give me an A and say, the work you're doing is outstanding, but you're not following the correct protocol, so I have to fail you. I was so busy proving my theories to pay attention, I finally realized I better start following society's rules I'm not going to get the degree I needed. I was was flying colors, passing, and maybe even better in everything else, except for English. I wasn't going to graduate high school fine. That's how I learned my first sales skills. I told the teacher, I will apply 100% effort and raise my marks and study and shut up and follow the rules. He goes, okay, I will watch if you're paying attention and actually doing what we're saying. I will grade you fairly. We will see how it goes. Right to the end of the school year, which was a matter of like a month and a half or something, I was failing. But With my final exam coming and needing a 90%, I really actually jammed and thought about everything I had done up to that point. I had to get better than 90% in order to just get a 50% overall average in English and graduate. So I not only got exactly 50% mark in English and graduate, which is about a 90% on my final, I won an award for the most improved. The teacher couldn't believe what I got on my final exam. He even called me up to the front of the school on graduation and gave me an award in front of everybody laughing and clapping, saying, I don't know how he pulled it off. I was so tempted to give a speech when I walked up. I really wanted to make my point, but the principal kind of kept me moving along. I soon realized by not following the rules that I totally screwed my intentions of getting into the right university. It's kind of like winning the battle, but losing the war. Bad planning meant my overall average was below 70%. And in order to get all the classes that I wanted, I would need a higher average because university was very competitive. And that 50% English grade uh, pulled me right down. I graduated, but my overall average was like, I think with all between all my classes it was 72 or 74 or something. So screw it. I was already doing good at the time. I thought... This is 1984, so I'm making it close in today's dollars because I Googled it. What I was making 11.92 in in today's dollars, about thirty dollars an hour. I was working forty-hour work weeks. I was 17 years old, and I was getting time and a half because I was taking everybody's shifts. So I was more like working 50 hours a week, and I was also working the graveyard shift, which was a premium. So it was like really good money i had two cars i had a motorcycle i was paying my own rent my mom i was in grade 12 living on my own and i had all kinds of side hustles i was always buying and selling and looking at opportunities and then my dad said um once you're done school why don't you come uh move to saskatoon i started a dental supply house while he had already started it for a year and i'll pay you the same amount you're making there so i'm like and then you can go to university here and i'm like okay well Been out of school for a little while, or as soon as I'm out of school for a little while, I think I'll come down there and work with my dad and go back to school. Anyways, that is my disruptive past of grade 12. Then I'm thinking the Pony Express. You heard of it. It's famous for dramatically improving communication times between Oregon and California. And we all know the story of the huge investment that this startup company made and only lasted 18 months before telegraphs made them bankrupt. A famous bankruptcy of a genius idea of the time. There's so many examples of well-established businesses that got completely upended, not only because of competition, often because of technology, often due to circumstances like war or a pandemic. Dentistry and healthcare love to try to build moats around what they have established. I spoke to this principle a few months ago about moats and bridges. We seem to build systems that now need a decade of research and lots of trials and tons of evidence for even allowing a minute amount of those new things to slip into existence. Like it's gotta have 10 years of clinical trials and proof and evidence. Like digital x-rays, been around for decades. And yet today, there's still offices today that buy a Peripro and film and take a panoramic x-ray and develop it. Like CAD CAM crowns, same-day crowns, been around for 30 years. They're well beyond pre- proven to... um. Deliver a perfect model to the patient. Like, come in all in one appointment. We'll do your prep. We'll have you leaving here with a full seated crown that's beautiful. And maybe now they got 5 to 8% of the market. The majority of people still don't do it. Digital scanners have been around for 15 years, 20 years, 30 years with the CAD CAM, really? Yeah, we continue to take impressions because they're proven. I've done it since school with the technology that they were doing in 1964. And then there's these bulk fill materials and self etch products and new, new for five years now, biocompatible products. In my 36 years, dentistry has evolved quite a bit. Yet at the same time, I still sell the same materials and watch the same techniques employed and being taught at the universities is when I started just like that English teacher that I challenged and rebelled against using the principles that were 20 years old. How many more decades of evidence do we need before we start to think that maybe someone or something is going to upend our entire business model? Wasn't it already happening in orthodontics? Do you think it was an orthodontist? Nope. Nope. Who thought that maybe using digital scanning and printing could provide a better vehicle to a larger amount of population in a more secure manner. That they could make an invisible liner so that they wouldn't have to wear the wires. That they could just pop out at night and change. It wasn't a dentist and it's the moats that we build that try to protect it and that was created a decade ago and many studies had to come out to prove that this is not a good way to go we can't do this this is going to be horrible for our profession but it continued to grow and now it's an approximately two billion dollar market last year and it's expected to triple in size in the next few years bridges and moats Now, the same people who tried to disavow this original technology are trying to disavow the newest model of affordable treatment, like SmileDirect, Direct to Consumer, which last year earned about 500 million of sales. Well, what they may be proving is that we should perhaps consider what people actually want and work harder to make it easier, safer, more affordable. It may not be the right answer. I personally don't think it is, but I can see the model could work. But we like to focus on problems, all the things that could go wrong. We spend millions of dollars to prove how it's gonna go wrong in years and years before we finally adapt what those people, those disruptors were telling us. And right now healthcare has been disrupted. This is an opportunity for our business model to shine. Every single one of these ideas I'm about to give you could thrive in dentistry. If they're stupid and you don't like them, at least I hope I challenged you today to think about what you are doing for a living today and where it's going tomorrow. Are you going to keep doing what you're doing or are you going to help bring a new type of product to the market? Are you going to find a better way to deliver it, a better mousetrap? Some things may need more validation that I'm going to say. Others can be disproven. But as an industry, in this current pandemic, we got to get moving. I'm going to give a brief rundown of ideas I've seen or had over the last few weeks. Tons of scientific research. Testing. Testing is the key here to everything that we're going through. But it's also the key to the future. And we have a perfect delivery vehicle to stop a pandemic. To prevent... Many diseases. Quick asking me, everybody wants to know, well, how's that going to get paid? What's the insurance company going to pay? Well, they may not pay it first, but they will soon realize preventive medicine is key to having a lower insurance premium. Maybe they don't want a lower insurance premium because they are a percentage-based business. Maybe we need to make that model ourselves preventive-based and stop relying on somebody else to pay for it and realize that actually the patient is paying for it as well as a premium. Check out this technology as an example of what might be possible. Think testing. What kind of testing? Applying testing to our current pandemic Let's say we can find something that actually does exist to early diagnose asymptomatic diseases like COVID. Think of where dentistry could fit into that with a saliva test. Just you. Let the other businesses go back and learn what they learned in school that was taught 10 years ago, and you be the disruptor taking that swab and giving the DNA and telling the patient early the diseases that they might have using a liquid biopsy by Mutant Dx. And how about digital? If you still don't believe it's wise to reduce chair time and you need to recall your patients several times to finish Crown after putting a bunch of goop in there and sending it to a lab, uh, that's okay. Just keep doing what you learned in school that they've done for 30 years. Or maybe you're that disruptor that thinks that patients would rather come once or twice for surgeries and treatment, as in, let's get this over with, my time is valuable, I don't care if I have to sit here for a couple hours, I don't wanna come back again, I got way too much going on. If you've gone that far, have you considered printing appliances too? Why not? Why not scan and the patient calls you and wants a bleaching tray? I've got your scan, you don't have to come back in. How about teledentistry? How about the things we can do using our smartphones? What about partnering with the lab if you don't want to go and get that CAD-CAM machine? And now that they're getting to be more interchangeable, you don't have to necessarily commit to a complete closed system. Printing your own aligners. So how can you reduce the cost for your new efficiency and deliver an even better product in the manner that the customer asked? What about changing our protocols can we more efficiently and more safely provide the services by considering even more risk reduction, thinking pandemic and disease and how good we are at doing this in our profession already? Is it possible that maybe having a dental clinic that has HEPA filtration that provides a safe working environment for the people working there day after day is a good idea? That a greater reduction of aerosol using devices, not just intraoral, but extra oral that could, maybe they can be built into the dental unit or cabinet instead of a, a vacuum cleaner under the chair with a big outlet on it. Maybe this can be built into our equipment. Start thinking. Think about how good that protocol would be for reducing risk for the people working there in the environment. A central biofilm system that runs through all water lines, like biofilm removal. So no more tablets, no more filters that you have to use instead just a very safe disinfectant something that goes through your ultrasonic scaler and drill that actually reduces the risk of kind of like doing a hydrogen peroxide rinse in the mouth a low amount what happens if you put that into the cavitron scaler or you have some other types of safe solutions that are out there that i'm exploring to reduce the The aerosol itself is getting disinfected while you work. Protocol. What about faster appointments using new proven materials and techniques to reduce chair time and labor? More efficient use of technology. Sharing data in a universal anonymous fashion to provide evidence-based protocols the world can use. So all dentists that are gathering this digital data, gathering up this testing, entering it into patients' charts, and then allowing it to be anonymously used to provide evidence-based protocols. We can speed up each other. We can use AI. Saliva testing and blood testing is a service during a regular checkup for prevention of disease. That can happen today. It is happening for some of you. Preventive care for the hygiene, the immune system, health, and ability to fight disease starts with oral health. Testing during appointments for the other diseases, sharing information with other healthcare providers, the doctors, the nutritionists, working together, a total health and holistic approach to uh, preventive health. Dentistry has ties to cardiovascular disease, airways, sleep disorders, diabetes, acid reflux, HPV. Oral pharyngeal cancer, pediatric airway, lip and tongue ties, and more. Like You know that there's so much more we can do with dentistry. So let's think today of a new business model, a cooperative type of business model. What if we got together instead of one dentist in a clinic, we don't compete with the guy across the street. We share a space. We share one CBCT. We bring in a couple other clinics. We are all partners in one clinic where we all share everything. We still have ownership but instead of ownership in a 1 million dollar clinic each which is two of them together is 2 million, we now own a more profitable clinic which is now worth 3 million instead. Multiple doctors in single locations, larger practices and more convenient locations with more specialists inside, more convenient hours of operation because you're sharing your times, online bookings, reviews, better marketing. And what if there is some oversight for infection control, so that you don't go from province to province in Canada and find that one province is using a guideline for infection control that's five years older than another one. What makes people in one province have kryptonite in their pocket and make them, you know, less vulnerable to the infection controls to the bugs than the next province over? I don't get it. Why is that not more universal? Why are the fee guides not more universal? Why do we need the fee guide? And, and it is a guide. Maybe we need it because we don't understand the business. Maybe we should understand that better. Seems like we do when it comes to orthodontics and clear aligners and doing implants. But then we need somebody else to guide us for all the rest of it. And we complain that the fees are too low. Consultants within the associations, at, at when you have somebody representing the better health of the public, calling themselves... The people that are in, on your behalf, speaking for you and your business, but leaning towards the public protection, which is great, but disciplining on that and then trying to build a moat around the business, not in the best interest of the public necessarily. There should be allowance of marketing and a do no harm to people rather than the moats that we built around to protect these established businesses. It's crazy. No other businesses do this. I've written many an essay since my failed high school experiment. I've evolved my thinking. I've continued to challenge my authority, and I'm sorry to my bosses. I really am. But, you know, I'm a challenger type of personality, and I think it improves all of us. I've learned my why in this business. And I want to know what your why is. Are you the disruptor for dentistry? Can we do this together? Because you know what? I'm in.